Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Reese will now read from Philippians for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the peace of God will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned to be content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I now welcome John to come and give him out, give us his message from this passage. You myself, yes. Will you unshare your screen, Kristen? Great. Although I'll probably look better with you sharing your screen. Um, I hope you've got uh, your, your Bibles there because I'm not, I'm not going to share um, every verse as we, as we work through it. Um, <clears throat> I think it's probably uncontroversial to say that uh, these are anxious times. Um, I mean, even if, you know, at the most basic level, um, it's the end of the year, <laughs> the end of the academic year, uh, sort of concentrates the mind a little bit and maybe natural anxiety is increased. And that's before we think about the pandemic, the lockdowns, um, the, the isolation that, uh, you know, uh, are everywhere. And, uh, and I know, especially in Melbourne, given you've endured is it 250 days of lockdown or something. Um, on top of that, you know, there's growing evidence uh, that our digital life, uh, which has only increased uh, in, in lockdown, um, exacerbates anxiety in um, quite uh, a dramatic way through dopamine addiction. And um, hopefully I'll be able to share my screen with you. Uh, there's a fascinating article just last week in um, the Wall Street Journal that um, outlined research uh, showing um, rising rates of depression and anxiety in wealthy countries like the US and Australia uh, may be a result of our brains getting hooked on the neurotransmitter associated 
with pleasure. That is dopamine. And Dr. Lemke is a psychiatrist and a professor at Stanford University. And basically, she outlines the evidence that's, that is uh, accruing that says the constant drips of dopamine uh, that come through digital engagement reset the brain's contentment level so that we, uh, we, we need just to hit more of dopamine just to feel, just to feel normal. And uh, the result is that um, we feel anxious and, and down. Now, so, you know, whether it's because of digital uh, usage or lockdowns or just the end of year exam and essay pressure, anxiety is in the air. And so I thought it'd be uh, good for at least the preacher, uh, if not uh, us all, to have a look at the wisdom of, uh, of Philippians for this famous passage about um, Paul's um, balm for anxiety. A couple of caveats. First, um, one is I'm not talking about clinically diagnosed anxiety and depression. Um, my darling wife has endured 20 years of diagnosed anxiety and depression and has been medicated uh, for these. And she'd be the first to say that there's tons of helpful stuff here in Philippians 4 uh, for her anxiety, but there is no fix. So I'm not talking about uh, diagnosed clinical anxiety. The, the second thing I want to say is the thing Kristen mentioned um, at the outset, that anxiety isn't necessarily sinful. I mean, it can be sinful, like if you're anxious, just to be wealthy and famous, sure. Um, but anxiety is not by default sinful. And I say this because some people can look at um, uh, verse six, right? And um, it says, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, right? Uh, do not be anxious about anything. People look at that and go, oh no, there's a command. Um, anxiety must be disobedience. And so they get more anxious because they're anxious that they're anxious now. And man, oh man, that's a, that's a, that's a black hole. But this is clearly what you, what you would call a permissive imperative rather than a commanding imperative. It gives permission to do something or not do something. It's like that biblical command, do not be afraid, I am with you. It isn't, how dare you be afraid? It is, let yourself not be afraid because I've got you back. That's, that's what's being said here. I mean, apart from anything else, um, Paul admits his own anxiety um, in tons of passages, actually. Uh, let me just share with you uh, this, this passage um, in 2 Corinthians. Paul, uh, Paul says, besides everything else, you know, he's listed all the things that make him anxious. I face daily the pressure of my anxiety. Same word that we have in Philippians. For all the churches, who is weak and I do not feel weak, who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn. So um, anxiety can be bad, but it can also be good. And it's often just neutral, okay? Um, and I, what I want to say is that Paul has this twofold um, balm for, for anxiety. And the first is the obvious one, prayer. Um, verse six, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now from the letter of Philippians itself, we can work out that there are a few things that might've been causing the Philippians to be anxious. Uh, for one thing, there was relational problems in uh, Philippi, just the verses immediately before the ones we read this morning, Euodia and Syntyche are obviously having trouble, trouble enough for Paul to publicly name them. So maybe the congregation is feeling 
anxious that some of their leaders aren't getting on. Um, there's the anxiety of external opposition. Philippians 1, 27 forward makes clear that the Philippians themselves were feeling pressure from the Roman authorities. And um, it's probable they were even worrying about Paul's imprisonment and the impact that would have on the gospel. Because back in chapter 1, verse 12, um, Paul um, reassures them and he says that my situation has, contrary to your expectation, uh, led to the advancement of the gospel. And we know that Philippians had sent a great big parcel of gifts to Paul in their, in their fear that uh, that he wasn't doing well in prison. Anyway, um, Paul says, "Take all these things to God." That's that's his balm for for anxiety. And y- you notice in verse six, he uses um, different words uh, for this. Um, the word prayer is used, and that's just the general word for addressing God. And then the word petition is used. Uh, this is the emotional word daomai. Um, it means it's often translated beg or plead. Um, and then the word request uh, is used, and that just means uh, that's just a neutral term for you know uh, making making a request of God, asking Him for stuff. And I don't think we're meant to make a great distinction between these. Uh, you know, Paul piles up these three different words for the same thing, really just to say, um, in any and every way, take it all to God. <laughs> okay. Um, I do think Thanksgiving is then thrown in to make a specific point. Notice he says, "But do this with with Thanksgiving." Okay, so you're pleading your case, uh, but you do it with thanksgiving. And I think he's trying to balance the emphasis on ourselves. His simple point is we are to ask for stuff um, to meet our anxious moments, but we're to do it remembering all the good things that God has given us in creation uh, and, of course, in Christ. And this is one of those areas where Paul is very different from the Stoics. Um, New Testament scholars often, or they used to anyway, like to sort of talk about how similar Paul is to the Stoics. The Stoics were the big philosophy uh, of his day. Um, But of course, the Stoics had a completely different uh, approach to anxiety. A big part of Stoicism was dealing with anxiety. Um, their, Their view was that you approach your anxious situations with detachment. They, they were kind of like Buddhists, actually, um, that you must detach from things. And then if you are detached from an outcome, then you will be at peace. Okay, So detachment was, was really important. And to the Stoics, um, if you were anxious about something, you were unwise. Now, this is not Paul's point. Paul is saying, you go with yourself and all your anxieties, all who you are with your pleas and your complaints, and you go to God full and raw and talk to him. It's very unstoic. He's no doubt influenced by his Jewish perspective, particularly the Psalms, which like every first century Jew, were the backbone of his prayer life, praying the Psalms. Anglicans used to do that as well once upon a time when we were Anglicans. Um, And the Psalms, of course, are replete with pleas to God. And notice they're almost always in the context of Thanksgiving. You know, about a fifth of the Psalms are complaints. But the book of Psalms itself is called Tehillim, the praises. And so I think this perspective that we're getting here in Philippians is the biblical um, Old Testament Jewish perspective. Go to God with all of yourself, with all of your complaints, but in the mode of thanksgiving. So can we uh, just stop right now and for 30 seconds um, think, and I'll do the same, what is it that you're most anxious about right now? I've got a couple of things, so I'll probably think of a couple of things, right?
so here's the question of the passage. Are you taking these things to God in detail, in prayer, with thanksgiving? Well, how does prayer soothe anxiety? Uh, I think there are three ways uh, that the letter to the Philippians makes clear when it mentions prayer. Uh, one is just the objective, external uh, fact that God sometimes answers your anxieties. You know, you ask him to do something and what do you know? He does something. Right? And Paul has given a good example of this back in chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, in, if, you, if you flip back there, um, <clears throat> Paul says, For I know that through your prayers, and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, his imprisonment, will turn out for my deliverance. Okay, so there is Paul saying, through your prayers, um, something's, something great's going to happen. Okay, so prayer works. Um, prayer isn't just about changing me. Prayer can change circumstances. Um, the second way prayer can be an answer to anxieties is that God gives us new internal strength. And you notice that's what Paul goes on to say in, in chapter 4, 12 uh, and 13. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. So it's still this anxiety theme. Uh, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So um, sometimes circumstances don't change. Yeah, God doesn't answer the prayer in the way that we were hoping but what he does is he gives us strength and you find a resilience that, that takes you through. There's a third way that prayer answers anxiety and uh, it is simply that maybe God won't answer, uh, change your circumstances. Maybe he won't even give you, give you strength. Uh, but verse 7 of our passage promises something even more precious, what you might call a transrational experience of his peaceful presence. So don't be anxious about everything. Present it all to God. And then he says, and, verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, I'll be honest with you and say the Reformed evangelical in me gets a little bit creeped out by this kind of language. I want to intellectualize this. I want to objectify this promise and say it's not so much about feeling peace, that's too mystical. Uh, it's more about knowing peace with God through Jesus Christ. You'll know the gospel better. <laughs> but I just think that's impossible. Um, Paul is being mystical at this point. Um, he insists it transcends understanding. This peace transcends understanding, so it can't possibly be about having a better theological understanding of the peace we have with God. God's peaceful presence, he says, will envelop God our inner life, our hearts and our minds. Uh, one of the few uh, memories I have, as I share my screen again, of my father uh, before he died in a plane crash um, when I was quite young, um, is <laughs> crying out to him. I can still hear myself. One day he was at work and, I don't know, I was in trouble or something from, you know, mum. And uh, I, I can I can hear myself going, I want daddy, I want daddy. And... Um, you know, I, it, it's such a powerful memory uh, for me, one of the few that I, I, I have of him. Um, and the thing is, it wasn't that I wanted to, you know, dad to come home so I could talk through the issues, right? That's not what I wanted. What did I want? I just wanted his touch, his voice, his smell, his presence. It's really all I wanted. And 
uh, God offers something similar, his peaceful presence through our prayers. Paul's going to repeat this idea of peaceful presence in verse 9 after his second antidote to anxiety. Uh, his second is not just prayer, but perspective. Perspective. I'm sorry these both points uh, start with P. I was trying to think of a better word just so I, it didn't seem so twee, but let me just be twee. Prayer and perspective. In a sense, this whole passage is about perspective, right? This whole unit is about having a perspective. It begins in verse 4, right, with the encouragement to rejoice. Okay, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I'll say it, rejoice. Now, this doesn't just mean don't worry, be happy. It's joy in the Lord, right, in the Lord. That is knowing what he has done. Uh, for us. It is the joy of correct perspective. You can only rejoice, really, when you have perspective about our anxieties. Verse 5 urges gentleness, right? He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And this word gentleness, some of you will know, epiakeia, is a really hard word to translate, um, which is why NIV gives um the word gentleness as a translation. Uh, the ESV gives reasonableness. Uh, the New American Standard Bible gives forbearance. Um, it, it, it comes from the, the root to yield, right? to yield. But it basically means the opposite of being pushy and grasping and demanding. Okay, So uh, I think this is how it relates to the next sentence, the Lord is near. It's, uh, Paul is saying, look, the Lord is coming to set things right. You don't have to stress. Victory is assured. You can afford to be gentle, not grasping, not demanding, but forbearing, and so on. It's about perspective. And so is verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, what is, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learned and received and heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Um, think about these things. Um, what we fill our heads with will in large part determine our anxieties. Now you just think this through. If I spend more time thinking about, you know, MasterChef <laughs> than, I, than I do, you know, spiritual activity, my domestic life is going to lack perspective, <laughs> right? And, uh, and, and so be anxious, not that any of us are putting on MasterChef banquets at the moment. Uh, if we spend more time pondering our marks at theological college than we spend on pondering growth in the love of God and neighbour, then, of course, our essays and exams are going to stress us out unduly. If we spend more time thinking about how we come across on social media than on how God views us already, then, of course, our view of the self is going to be characterized by anxiety. And I could multiply the examples. But my point is what we fill our heads with um, determines the shape of our concerns. And the antidote, in addition to prayer, is perspective. Perspective makes all the difference. And then Paul restates that promise about peace. It's just interesting that his lines about prayer end with 
piece that passes all understanding. And his um, comments about perspective end uh, in verse 9 with the words, uh, whatever you've learned, received, or heard, seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So just as he said, the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard you, now he says, the God of peace himself, the presence of God, the God of peace, will be with you. So um, this passage offers two keys to dealing with anxiety. One is prayer, not being stoic, not detaching from our troubles, but going with our troubles straight to God with all of our complaints, detailing them in the mode of thanksgiving for what he has already given us. And God promises either to answer your prayer or give you more strength or indeed to fill you with his peace. And the second is perspective. Thinking about things that are of God um, and doing them, of course, uh, changes everything. What we fill our heads with um, changes what we feel anxious about. We um, put our anxieties into their proper place through our pondering things, the things of God. We make room through perspective for the peace of God. Uh, more than that, the presence of God. Um, my wife and I um, were interviewed on uh, the ABC um, Radio National for Mental Health Week um, because Buff um, has struggled with um, anxiety and depression, as I said. And it's interesting, we got to talk about our morning ritual of a cup of tea and um, the prayer book, um, a prayer and perspective, we might say. And I want to um, just quote uh, a little bit of what Buff said. I'm going to play the audio and maybe, Reese, you can just put your thumb up if you actually can hear this and then I, I know it's, it's working. But let me give the final words to my darling. And I think spiritually, like in a devotional sense, there's days where I f have felt, if I'm particularly low, where uh, I would just feel I have nothing to offer today. I just can't pray. I can't, I've got nothing. But somehow the um, that time of prayer or of looking at the Bible or of saying the prayers, they're a great help and there's something that's it's bigger than myself and the feeling... The trouble with anxiety and depression is that so um, you get emotional, you get paranoid, you get so, so low on yourself and so on. And these words, they lift your gaze higher and they're, they're constants and they're so reassuring. And I, I find it a, what some would say is a ritual it, or maybe the, the idea of discipline and self-discipline is outdated these days, but I find just as someone would cognitive behavioural therapy would put things in place just to help. I find for me that has really helped me to not be a slave to my feelings, but to be able to step outside and realign myself with things I know to be true regardless of how I feel. That's a wonderful image that I think we can leave listeners with possibly as as a goal, as an aspiration. 
to start the day quietly with a prayer. Mm. That's radical for a lot of people. (laughs) Buff, John Dixon, thank you so much for being on The Spirit of Things. Pleasure. Thank you. Wouldn't that change your whole outlook? You could start slowly, you know, just with the tea, and then see what develops. In bed there with us, Buff and John Dixon of St. Andrew's Church, Roseville, Sydney. The ABC promoting prayer. (laughs) Um, God bless you as you um, bring your anxieties to God and think on the things of God and find his peace.